It is The Drive with Sam Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. Derek Piper, Kyle Tosh. Let's go to the Tapman's Towing phone line once again. Let's bring in one of our old buddies, Trevor Valise. Trevor, what's up, man? Thanks for joining us. Let's talk some college hoops and uh, uh, some other things I want to ask you about, too. But how you doing? You uh, hanging in there in college hoop season? Derek, I was going to ask you if anything has changed since I was there, but you informed me that Lon is gone today, so I know that nothing has changed <laughs> since I was there. Um, but I'm doing I well. It. I hope you guys are too. We're doing great. We're doing great. Yeah, Lon, um, part-timer, uh, as Cliff likes to say, and, and he's wearing that proudly and uh, pretty consistently. So we, uh, Well, he, he's the one who texted me last night and said, could you join us tomorrow? So, you know, I foolishly assumed he would actually be there. But I, I know. I That's that crazy. Was- Crazy on your end. Just, just silly of me to assume that. <laughs> right. Well, I know you're uh, in full gear hoops mode with Field of 68. I do want to talk a lot of college hoops with you. Before we get to that, there's two storylines I want to ask you about because I know that they are, are things that you're uh, very interested and passionate in. Uh, number one, you, you tweeted about this with Tommy DeVito. How crazy is this that the former I quarterback is doing what he's doing is as big of a story in the NFL right now? It's wild. And honestly, the the group as a whole from last year, I mean, Chase Brown scored a touchdown. Yeah. I wasn't really dialed in the Eagles Cowboys, but I saw Sidney Brown making tackles. Witherspoon might win defensive rookie of the year. And Tommy's doing this. Like you almost look back at last year and go, holy cow. Like, do we have four legitimate successful NFL starters on this team? Two on each side of the ball. It's just, it's crazy to look back on that in hindsight and think about it that way. But yeah, Tommy, that, that's, it's just crazy what's going on. It's like a fever dream, honestly, to, to be tuning into Sports Center and randomly seeing Brett Bielema talking about Tommy DeVito. And I, I think an extra aspect of it that makes it sort of uh, weird in a way is, you know, he was only here a year. Right. But he had a very successful year, but it's not like he spent his entire four year college career at Illinois. And yet they announced him as from Illinois. And, and clearly he's, you know, I mean, you see the quotes from, from Jeremy's great article about, what his dad said about what they think of Brett and the program. So I I think a, it's funny to see anyone from Illinois at that level doing what he's doing, but B it's sort of just like, we didn't even have him that long. And now look at what he's doing. And it's just, it's a very weird, but very, very cool thing to witness. Yeah. That autograph football that you got from him, is that, uh, you haven't put that on eBay quite yet, although I'm sure it'd have a lot lot of value. I was going to say, if if I ever, if, if, Straits ever get too dire and Jeff Goodman fires me. I know that the first thing I'll have to do is, is list that Tommy DeVito ball. We uh, So we didn't do football this year. We pivoted just back to Field of 68. But last year, we were doing Field of 12, which is football stuff, about twice a week as well. And obviously, unexpectedly to, to me or anyone else, Illinois was you know, at 1.6-1, 7-1, and, and one of the best storylines. And so as we picked people to interview every week, we decided that Tommy would be a good guy to get. And he was he was all on board and Brett Moore and obviously all of them were very helpful in getting him to us. So we had a great interview, but uh, the guy doing the interview showed up five minutes late. Maybe he was channeling his inner lawn. I don't know. And so it was, it was me and me and Tommy on the call for a few minutes. And obviously I had to tell him, you know, I went to Illinois and a huge fan of his and I, I didn't think anything more of it. I honestly didn't like, I wasn't trying to angle my way in for an autograph or anything. I was just saying it was cool to be able to cover Illinois in the same breath as, as Oklahoma or Notre Dame last year. And five days later, I just see a thing that says, you know, there's a person at your door on the ring alert. And I thought, okay, it's the mailman or something. And I look later and there's Tommy DeVito just hanging a ball in a bag on my door and it's signed. So that, that was very cool of him. He certainly did not need to do that. And uh, I would be lying as much as I love that move. And I love Tommy. I would be lying if I said that I thought that would be the, the, um, the pinnacle of my uh, background mantelpiece here, but it definitely is now. <laughs> it's a good one right now. It's a good one to have for sure. Uh, also, one more before we get into college hoops. I know you're big into the baseball side, as we knew uh, through the years of you being on this show. We relied on Kyle last year to ride us through the highs and lows of that Cubs season. I know, I know that uh, it, they were surprisingly good and Bellinger what he did. And then last, uh, down the stretch, I know it was, it was disappointing to miss the postseason, but what in the heck are the Dodgers doing $700 million with Shohei Otani? And plus the way they're deferring this whole thing, like what, what do you make of all this? It's, it's, it's crazy. Now it's legal. So it's right. one of those things where I, I think mo- most people yell like, you know, screw Shohei for doing that or screw the Dodgers. But to me, it's like, well, 
I, I would more so look at the rule than the person who's successfully found the loophole to the rule. Uh, I think it's crazy because I was reading up on this just because I was as interested as anybody in on what the hell was going on here. And I was reading up on it, and, and there is literally something in the CBA that says there is no limit on deferred money contracts, period. Mm. And I just thought, who put that clause in? Like that's, that's the thing that I'm more upset about than, than this specific like, Who put something in there that said you could have unlimited deferred money? Now, you know, I guess the other side of it is, well, you know, the Dodgers are making out like bandits right now, but they're going to have to pay somebody who's 50 and definitely not on their team anymore, $68 million in 2040 or whatever. But do they care about that right now? No. And and with the way sports teams keep growing and, like, you know, Mark Cuban just sold like half of the Mavericks for this absurd price. Like, I don't really think the Dodgers are sitting here going to be that worried about the, the outcome of paying Shohei $68 million 20 years from now based on what he might be able to bring them uh, before then. I, I think it's ridiculous, but again, I think that that's something that needs to be revised in the CBA and, you know, the Dodgers just, it was interesting though that, that Shohei was the one bringing this to the table with these teams. I think, I, I, I don't think that was anything anyone had even remotely hinted at or talked about. Not that we got much information period about Shohei's uh, free agency, but the fact that it wasn't necessarily instigated by the Dodgers trying to be shifty, but in fact, Shohei trying to be shifty. I mean, look, good for him. And and the fact that, that also you get taxed where you live and not taxed where you were living when, when you play that contract, like he could retire and move to Florida and hang out with Lon in a bungalow and he would be taxed, you know, not even a third as much as he would be in California. And he's just living the life. So I guess I should say props to Shohei, but it does sort of, it does seem fundamentally bothersome, doesn't it? That, that a team like the Dodgers could just get the entire top 10 of a free agent class and worry about dealing with them and paying them in 2050. Like there just feels wrong about that. It's annoying. I, I was on, getting on board with like the, the off script off the wall, like, Oh, he's going to go to the blue Jays. I'm like what? Really? Uh, that'd be kind of cool. You know, him and Vlad jr. And just something different, but yeah, the Dodgers, I, I get it. And now was, he's in the national league and I, uh, I don't, I'm I'm not uh, high enough on the Cubs to say like this year, but now oh now there's something in the Cubs' way of winning the pennant. Like that, I don't feel that way about it. But you know, it, it is annoying that now he's someone that has a more direct effect and fewer degrees of separation from both of our of our franchises as well. No doubt. Uh, before we move on on the Cubs note, I asked Kyle about this a few days ago. Cody Bellinger, you know, the Yankees were talked pretty heavily about him early. Would they get Soto? Uh, I know Kyle did bring up now that the Blue Jays didn't get Shohei. Maybe they're going to be in that mix. Uh, how do you feel about the Cubs' ability to bring back Bellinger? Just in general, like your your overall temperature on the Cubs, a team that you know made some headlines by stealing Craig Council away from the Brewers a few months ago. Yeah, I, it's tricky. I want Bellinger back, but at the same time, I think if you injected most Cubs fans with truth serum and strapped them to a chair, they would agree that last year's Bellinger was like the 95th percentile of, of what Cody Bellinger at this point in his career could be. And that's not to say you can't repeat that, but it, it, I just want to be careful that the Cubs don't overcompensate on losing out on the big names. And Bellinger is a big name. Don't get me wrong, but the big, big names, um, because by all accounts, they're not in on, on Yamamoto either. Um, the Dodgers will probably pay him like $10 a year until 2070 or something <laughs> uh, and sign him too. Um, I want Bellinger back, but I think it, it just stings a little bit to me because the Cubs took a flyer on him and he far, you know, it was the best case scenario, basically is what I'm saying last year was, and now they have to almost overcompensate if they want him back to, to like, there's no value left in the flyer of Cody Bellinger because now he just proved that when healthy, that's what he can look like, but he missed a month with a shoulder injury last year. And he has, a, you know, a, a, a shaky track record. And I'm not, again, I don't, I don't want someone to take away from this that I hate Cody Bellinger, I don't want him or something. I do. I just want to be wary of pivoting to him to a point where, you know, a 10-year, $200 million, you know, whatever the deal may be. Like, the last four or five years of that could be rough for a guy that has had a roller coaster career. And he definitely needs to be in that Cubs lineup. Someone with, with, with the, the power and the average and everything else that he brings needs to be in the middle of that Cubs lineup to anchor it. I just want to make sure that 
they're not overcompensating so much so that they way overpay a guy who could get hurt in May and not do anything for you this year. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, follow Trevor on Twitter. I'm sure you already do, at T. Valise, producer of the Field of 68. Let's switch gears to college basketball, which there's some big stories here of recent. We were talking about it to open up the show, the news of the the 14-day grace period, whatever you want to call it, the what is it technically, a um, restraining order uh, against the NCAA's rules of the two-time transfer, the multi-transfer of having to sit out. Uh, th- this just seems wild, Trevor, for this to be happening. And then if it does extend out to where that rules is going to be completely gone, then where does it stop? Can people just transfer as many times as they want and, and not have to sit out ever? Like uh, This just seems wild. I know that circumstances matter. I understand why, uh, you know, Raekwon Battle from uh, the guy at West Virginia is making a case because his coach left at Montana State. So then he wants to be able to be immediately eligible uh, when he goes somewhere else. But uh, I know that how closely you guys cover college hoops and, and talk about it uh, on a national level and, and whatnot. What is your instant reaction and just kind of uh, the reaction over there at Field of 68 to this? Just another quiet, normal Wednesday, Derek. Another yeah, right. <laughs> low profile, no hoops news. Um, no, it's 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 fascinating. Um, we're 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 dubbing it the purge because it feels like one of those things where you know for the next fourteen days, anyone who 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 was previously ruled ineligible is eligible. Uh, I mean, it's wild. I mean, it, it literally, from what I can understand, and I'll do a shameless plug here. We're going to get a sports lawyer on uh, tonight's Field of Sixty Eight after dark, ten o'clock Central Time is when he'll be on with us. Um, so hopefully he'll be able to do the uh, Michael Scott lemonade stand, explain this to me like I'm five, because I will willingly admit I definitely do not understand it to the degree that he would. Um, but, I mean, from what I can understand, it's a complete free-for-all where any player that was waiting for a decision is now eligible until December 27th when they will resume this hearing or whatever and potentially rule against it or do something else with it. So... It's this weird thing where, like, for the next 14 days, you know, you're eligible. And the other question here, and I think this has been somewhat cleared up, is from what I can tell, is there's no punishment for playing the person. So I, I believe the quote was that if the ruling is overturned, after an athlete were to play a couple games in the next few weeks, the athlete would not lose any future years of eligibility. Mm-hmm. So the game can account as a year of eligibility for this week, whatever you want to call it. So it genuinely is a free-for-all. And then you get into just the coaching side of it, right? Like if you're the coach of some team, uh, let's say, I don't know, let's say you're, you're Bobby Hurley and Adam Miller is now eligible. Do you play Adam Miller for, what would that be, three finals week type matchups against cupcake teams and work him into the rotation and everybody's suddenly getting used to Adam Miller being in the rotation and then he potentially is then not in the rotation for the rest of the year? If the ruling goes the other way on December 27th, are you willing to risk that? Do you want to just get that guy in there for a few games? Or do you say, I'm not going to put you in that spot to where I'm throwing you to the wolves for two weeks and then potentially pulling you back again? It's just such a weird, it's such a weird thing. And, you know, I, again, I don't, I certainly don't understand it to the degree that someone who does this for a living would, but I mean, it genuinely seems like it's just a complete free for all. And I, could someone transfer? I mean, somebody brought that up in one of our group chats. Could someone say tomorrow, I'm going to leave Team X and transfer? Because guess what? It's the end of the semester. The academic semester is over for most schools in the next two or three days. And the second semester starts basically when this hearing, you know, then might be changed again on the 27th. So we're not even in the middle of a semester. So I guess my point is someone could literally leave the school they're at tomorrow and move in and apply and get into a different school before December 27th and play a game for them. But then would they play another game if the ruling goes against them past the 27th? It's, 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 it's crazy. Uh, I, I just, the, the way the, the, the snowball effect of this whole thing, if, if this holds where they're not going to uphold people against the multi-year and having to sit out and just how wild, I mean, college, as you know, with the the portal and, and just how wild these off seasons are becoming, and, and if you just threw in, all right, forget just one opt out clause and a, and a guy's quote unquote situation at a, at a certain school. Of course, if you're a grad transfer, you could find another way to get it in the portal. But if people can do it every year, then or just threaten to do it every year, this thing's going to go off the rails in a hurry. Big time, 
And, and again, I mean, we say or we have said that this is sort of like a college basketball version of free agency. But if that were the case for any prolonged period of time, that would literally be free agency. Like, I mean, you can just go hopping from place to place with no penalty, seemingly. Um, I, I, I feel like I would have my doubts that, that this ruling um, would extend for, say, years at a time or something. Right. I, 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 I doubt that this would get to that. But just the fact that it even has gotten here, I don't think anybody thought this would suddenly happen on right. December 13th for, for two and a half weeks. And uh, again, you just play out all the scenarios, you know, like say I'm making this up, right? Say Kentucky's big man, Trey Mitchell, goes down tonight in a game and he's out for three weeks. Could Kentucky just offer some guy who's a talented big man at, I don't know, Western Kentucky, just say, come on down. You know, come to Kentucky for the next semester. We'll basically just use you for three weeks until our other guy gets healthy. And, you know, I mean, uh, technically a team could do that. And, I mean, we know the margins for getting into the tournament and the bubble. Like, imagine a team that rides the hot hand of, you know, Adam Miller comes in and scores 30, three straight games for Arizona State, and then he's ineligible again. But then Arizona State is the last team in the field at 19 and 14, well, you could basically attribute them getting into the tournament to the fact that this guy who was supposed to be ineligible was just suddenly eligible for two weeks. So, again, it's wild, and I personally would hope that this doesn't uh, become a norm, and this is just a very strange two weeks. And I think I would side on, at least from what I've heard from some of our guys, I think most coaches will be more tentative than aggressive with this because – there is so much ambiguity. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody wants to risk getting in trouble for playing an Adam Miller for two games if it turns out in February that they get dinged for it in some way. Um, so I don't think we're going to just see like completely new starting fives for teams all over the place. Right, right. But the fact that we could is just crazy. No doubt. Uh, I do want to ask you about the Michigan situation. It, that's been an interesting development. I know that uh, your buddy Jeff Goodman's been reporting on that. It, it just seems like. Uh, just in general, the Michigan program, there's a lot of unrest around it in terms of the fans, regardless of maybe what they think about Juwan, you know, away from the, the basketball court, or I know he's had his issues on it, you know, in handshake lines and whatnot, but uh, their their results have gone down in the last couple of years, and then now to have a, a run-in in practice, uh, what do you think of that? I mean, I'm not going to ask you to maybe to say something that – is going to get you in trouble or anything, but uh, I just, I, I want your, just kind of your take on, on that thing in Ann Arbor. Well, first of all, it is funny. The, the game of telephone that you see play out on Twitter and other places with this. I mean, we, we were talking, so I mean, I don't mind, you know, taking you under the hood. It's something he hasn't said on our show, but you know, Sunday night, Jeff texted our group and just said, Hey, I, I'm hearing something about Juwan Howard in Michigan. I don't know what exactly it is or when it's going to break, but just be aware that I may join tonight's show at some point to, to break this. And so I'm thinking, well, what the heck is this about? So you get on Twitter and, you know, there's all these random people saying things and, you know, you don't want to buy into it completely, but also when 18 people are saying something out of the blue and Jeff is kind of echoing it. And I, I tend to think that there is some validity to it, that yeah. it wasn't just something that was completely made up. Um, so he said, I may have something here. And I said, okay, hit me. And he said, well, that's the key word, hit. <laughs> um, there were some reports that, that Dewan Howard essentially punched the Michigan strength and conditioning coach. Um, and again, the original rumor that stemmed from it was that the Michigan strength and conditioning coach was going at Jace Howard, Dewan's son, who was yeah. not played, um, and basically saying, you know, our culture isn't great around here. You need to get back out there, blah, 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 something, something to that effect. And then Juwan went up to the strength and conditioning coach and basically went nose to nose with him. Now, again, the game of telephone is where someone then says, you know, Juwan Howard jumped on him and punched him and assaulted him. I don't think it went to that degree. I think we would definitely be hearing something or official variety by now if there had been a literal, you know, Draymond Green, Jordan Poole type mm-hmm. fist fight in, in, a, in, a, in a facility, in a university facility. Um, but I mean, based on what Jeff has told me, it certainly was a nose-to-nose confrontation and uh, a heated yelling match, if nothing else, and maybe some pushing and shoving before they finally walked away from each other. I think the other piece of this that lended some immediate validity to the rumor was that John Sanderson, the strength and conditioning coach, did not travel to the Iowa game, which of course was on TV, and you could tell that. 
and he never doesn't travel. It would just be like not seeing Adam Fletcher for two weeks on the Illinois bench. You'd probably wonder what was up there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that added some immediate credibility to the rumor because you think, well, where is the strength and conditioning coach? So I guess the story now is that he, he voluntarily stepped back and just said, you know, let's all cool off for a week. I won't travel with you guys. We'll talk to Ward Manuel, who I'm sure just loves his job right now in Michigan between, (laughs) between Jim Harbaugh and Connor Stallions and all that. And now this going on, I mean, I know they're in the playoff and I think probably the favorite to win the, the whole thing, but my God, you want to talk about some, some program distractions between those two. It has not been an easy year for them. Um, I, my personal opinion is that I think the whole thing's ridiculous and you've got this guy who has a zero tolerance policy and Jeff reporting that he's now having meetings this week with the administration and talked to them. And to that, I would say, I don't know what there is to talk about because he's already had several incidents. I mean, you think back even before the slap slash punch slash whatever it was with Greg Gard and that assistant, but you think back to uh, Mark Turgeon at the Big Ten tournament and he's ejected from the game and he yells, I'm going to effing kill you. I mean, that <laughs> this guy has a clear history of having an anger issue. And I'm not just saying that because we're Illinois people and we don't like the fact that they got that Big Ten pile and yada, yada, yada. Um, but, you know, the fact that he had a zero tolerance policy and he went up to one of his staff members and basically was cussing them out and getting ready to fight them again, To me, it's like, I don't know what the, like, what's the discussion when he sits down with the president who says, you know, this is your fifth strike. Like, like, what what can you say? And you can say he was coming at my kid, but then it's like, well, that's, yeah, comes with the territory of, of the nepotistic move of having all your kids on your roster, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's a mess. And again, this isn't some secret. Jeff has said this publicly. I would be surprised. And I think he would be too, if the Juwan Howard era continued for uh, years to come, whether it's something more sudden, which I think would be a surprise. Like he suddenly announces he's resigning in a few days. I don't think that is coming at this point, even though those rumors were flying Sunday, but I would also at the same time be surprised because you got to remember too, the backdrop here of he had his heart surgery and they said he needed to be out at least six weeks. It has now been 13 weeks since his heart surgery. And I'm not, you know, for all I know, he had a complication or something. I'm not telling him to, to come back, but you know what? If he was, if he was feeling good enough to almost fight, and if you've seen a picture of John Sanderson, you know he's no small small man. <laughs> yeah, no if doubt. He was feeling good enough to fight that guy in the locker room. I would have to imagine he's feeling plucky enough to be back on the sideline. So I think that's another aspect of this that has caused some angst within that program in that locker room. Is he's still not back? He's he, he the last couple of games he sat on the bench, but he isn't coaching. It's still Phil Martelli coaching. And so it's just this really weird thing where there's a bunch of different things going on. There's a bunch of different factors. And I would just be hard-pressed, again, this is just my opinion, I would be hard-pressed to envision him being the Michigan coach in 2025. All right, Trevor, not to keep you too long. I know we've already kept you a while. But before we get out (laughs) of here. No, you're good. um, Thoughts on Illinois so far? Lose a tough one over the weekend in Knoxville, but had a a great win there in the Jimmy V yet again by beating FAU. Uh, seven and two Illinois, sixteen in the AP poll. What do you think so far of the Illini? Yeah, I've actually been very encouraged, and I'm not just stealing your sentiment here, but I, I completely agree with you that you know we're not vibe experts, right? But but if, if the vibe was off last year, the vibe feels on this year. That yeah. that's that's my early sort of gut macro, not X's and O's takeaway from this team. I, I just think you look at you know. I know it's silly, but you look at things like locker room celebrations after the FAU game, like it just seems like this team gels much better. Um, it seems like there's more defined roles on this team. Are there things to work out? Absolutely. You know, you don't want to see that that stretch in the second half against Tennessee where you shoot seven threes on eight possessions and make none of them. You know, obviously that's something that, that you don't want to see continue. But, I mean, look, that's what Tennessee does. Like if there was one team to go on the road to, and sort of be baited into taking shots you don't want to take and maybe look a little funky offensively, it would be at Tennessee. Right. And frankly, the first, I don't know what you would say, like 27 minutes of that game, I thought I was impressed. I mean, I, I thought that they were actually, it, you know, you would have liked to see Shannon drive some more for sure in that game, but I, I didn't think that Tennessee was even as effective as I have seen them be against other teams. I mean, you watch that Tennessee-Purdue game, I mean, that was just like a, a rugby game on a battle. And I, I think Illinois' job of not falling 
too much victim to that um, style that Tennessee imposes on you. So I didn't come away from that loss thinking, okay, well, now my mindset needs to shift again. And I think the other factor here is, guys, the Big Ten kind of stinks. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I, I think it's going to be another year. And, and it might work against you, too. Right where you where once again, I mean, Brad kind of rude it at the beginning of this year when he said they ended up having what like one quad one win in Big Ten play, which was Wisconsin or something, and so that might come come up to bite you because you don't have many quad one opportunity time. Like, I know we're just talking on paper here, but I mean, Illinois to me is clearly the second or maybe I will give you third best team in the Big Ten, and so you look at a lot of these games, and to me, it's just a matter of not allowing the opponent to dictate the style of the game and dragging you into the mud that is Big Ten basketball. And you saw that, look, it wasn't a mud fight with, with Northwestern but because it was a high-scoring game, but you saw that where Northwestern sort of, you know, Purdue played into their hands a little bit and allowed Northwestern to do what they wanted to do in that game. So I think for Illinois, it sounds overly simple, but just avoid as many of those Nebraska 55, Illinois 53, as we hit the final timeout at the mm. under four. You know, just avoid those situations as much as you can because you have better athletes, you have better size, you have better mismatches. Like, there should be no reason on paper if we were just running computer models or whatever that Illinois doesn't go 14 and six in the Big Ten. But we know that's not going to happen, right? Because we're human beings and it's just not going to run that way. But if you can just maximize the number of times that you assert your athletic will, I guess I'd call it, I, I think they're in good shape. I mean, you get obviously the big finish here with at Wisconsin and Purdue as two of the final three games of the season might might tell us a lot at that point. But, I mean, there's a lot of games here. I mean, you looked at Maryland earlier in the year and thought that was a tough double draw. Maybe not so much anymore. I mean, heck, you look at Michigan State as yeah. a tough double draw. Maybe not so much anymore. So there's a lot of opportunities to be had um, on this schedule. I mean, a stretch of Michigan State, Maryland, Michigan, Rutgers. I mean, you might kind of be clenching before the year, like, oh, boy, that's tough. Well, three of those four are at home. Michigan State, Maryland at home, at Michigan, home Rutgers. Like, you should win three of those four if you're Illinois. So to me, it just comes down to how many times are you favored to win, are you supposed to win, and you just plain do, versus how many times – are you at Nebraska? I don't think they're at Nebraska, but they're home Nebraska. Say at Penn State, right? Like Ohio State. Ohio State was up 18 at Penn State and lost. And they were up 18 in the second half. Like, just just out um, outsmart and don't be stupid against some of these teams. And I honestly think Illinois has 10 to 12 wins right there for them. Yeah, I agree with that. We talked about that yesterday a little bit. It is on as it's easy to kind of sit there and laugh at, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do it at, you know, Michigan State underachieving, especially if we thought they were overrated going into the year, or Iowa look, looks pretty bad right now, Michigan going through what they're going through, uh, Maryland on down the line. Unfortunately, the lack of strength in totality of the league is going to probably hurt Illinois' resume-building opportunities, mm -hmm. but if you take care of business enough, then obviously you'll avoid the bad losses that can really hurt you and um, yeah, the FAU win is going to look good, especially and then so if you beat Purdue at least once, that would be great too. So right now, and I'm looking here on this bracketologist website, they have Illinois has one, two, three. They have four quad one opportunities between today and February 28th. Yeah. Four. Now, the last three games are all quad one right now, again, at Wisconsin versus Purdue at Iowa. But, I mean, I don't think that's going to fluctuate that much. I mean, Michigan State is a quad three win at home right now. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it's as, as, as crazy as that is. Um, so the opportunities for quad one wins may once again be few and far between, but that's why a, a game like FAU is, is, is crucial because, you know, maybe if you go into this conference season with zero marquee wins, say you lose Marquette close, you lose Tennessee close and you lose FAU close, then it's something where, yeah, that's probably going to affect your seed line maybe significantly if, you know, you, you say you finish 12 and eight, but you have like one marquee win in those 12. Other than that, you're just taking care of business. You're probably not going to get, you know, a top three or four seed. But I think, and another part of that FAU win is FAU's really, really, really stinking good. Yeah. So that's not going to. And and you look at the conference there, and other than two games against Memphis, like they're they're really not. They don't really have the opportunity. Knock on wood, unless an injury were to happen or something, to fall out of a quad one win at any point of the season. I mean, that's going to be that's going to be a win. An almost double-digit, almost 100-point win against 
a near locked top 20 team. Mm-hmm. And so that does a lot for your metrics. I know Rutgers is going to be a quad two win on the road because they stink, but still, I mean, a 20 point win on the road is not nothing in conference play. So if you can just keep doing that type of stuff, and I know that's sort of just feeding into the net, which is something we don't fully understand. I still don't. No one does. Um, but if you can just keep doing that kind of stuff, Michigan is a quad one road win right now. If you win by 15, that that's a huge number for, for your metrics. So um, stack some of those. And then, like you say, if you could nip Purdue once, you get them twice, that would be great. Uh, if you could nip, I, I mean, you only get Wisconsin once, but if you could get them too, that's another obviously marquee win. Um, and, and I think, you know, Michigan State, I don't think they're going to be quad three ranked 100 in the net the entire year. I mean, yes, they're struggling. Yes, I, I think it's certainly a question whether or not they can still contend for the Big Ten. But I would be borderline shocked if we're sitting here in March and Tom Hizzo's team is just like 15 and 19 and they've just like given up. I, I, that would that would very much surprise me. So the opportunities are still there. It's just about picking the right opportunities to look your best for, for the sake of the metrics. Xavier Booker may have given up, but maybe not the Spartans on the whole. But uh, <laughs> I could go on and on. Uh, it was great catching up, Trev. Uh, appreciate the time. Uh, enjoy slash survive the basketball grind. I know you put in a lot of work and you do great stuff over there at Field of 68. We'll have to catch up with you again. Maybe when Lon's actually uh, on the show next time. But uh, it was fun uh, diving uh, into college hoops and some other topics with you. And uh, enjoy the holidays, man. And uh, we'll catch up sometime. We were going to get a beer in the offseason. We didn't do it. Uh, that's shame on all of us. We got to get that done at some point. Probably won't come until the springtime, but uh, it, it was fun catching up, man. Yeah, that was bad. That was a bad swing and a miss on all of our parts. It was. Uh, managed, managed. I, I call myself, I've just sort of fallen into, as, as you can understand too, the, the black hole of the season. You know, yes. I, just, I say I say to every you know relative who likes to get lunch every once in a while, something. sorry guys, you know, I'm, I'm entering the black hole here. I'll see you like, March 30th or something like that. Right. Um, but no, I mean, obviously, hey, I'm, I'm paid to watch college basketball for a living. So there are, there are worse, worse faiths than that. Um, but, but we'll definitely catch up soon and hopefully Lon will be there. And if not, I, uh, well, that's just another day in the life. You know? <laughs> no doubt, man. All right. Take care, man. Good talking. All right. Good talking, Derek. Thanks. Trevor Lease, Field of 68 on the Tapman's Towing phone line. We're due for a break. This is The Drive. As we approach the end of the year, you might want to think about some great tax-deductible donations, like with the Urbana Parks Foundation, or making a donation to the Youth Scholarship Fund to help cover the costs of kids attending summer camps. Your donation can help more kids attend summer camps next year. Mail your check to 303 West University Avenue in Urbana. Call Kelsey for details at 217-367-1536 or visit Urbana Parks foundation.org this is eric boland with provident financial group unfortunately there is no one size fits all retirement plan finding the right plan for you depends on many factors the good news is we can help improve your retirement readiness whatever your situation contact us today at 217-366-3456 or find us online at providentfinancialgroupllc.com Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. You have money laying all around your house. You just don't know it. And no, I don't mean selling your great-grandma's good china. I mean all the old metal items you don't want to use or get rid of. Don't pay someone to haul it away. Bring it into Max Twin City Recycling and get paid to have it taken off your hands. They love new customers and are more than willing to walk you through their process step-by-step. Come check them out at 2808 North Lincoln Avenue in Urbana. Accumulation, preservation, generation. At Busey Bank, these are the principles we use to build meaningful financial partnerships with our clients and their families. With sound advice and vast resources, partner with Busey for a personalized approach to your legacy. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. See the showroom top designer shop Flooring surface is your first stop Amazing selection, price and style On hardwoods, laminates, carpet and tile Low prices on high fashion Step up the flooring that gets a wow reaction 
designer shop. Flooring Surface is your first stop. Flooring Surface is your first stop. Flooring Surfaces now offers beautiful window fashions. Our interior design team will custom fit shade shutters and blinds to any size opening. Visit the showroom to see the latest fashions from Graber and Hunter Douglas or request an in-home consultation. Whether it's floors or windows, Flooring Surfaces has you covered. See us today at 401 Mercury Drive in Champaign. See the showroom top designer shop. Flooring Surface is your first stop. Flooring Surface is your first stop. The hammering, the sawing, the drilling, all the sounds of the workplace from music to our ears. You can be a part of construction projects, large and small, as a Carpenters Local 243 member. Learn to excel with apprentice and journeyman training. Members enjoy all the benefits this internationally recognized union has to offer. It's a life-changing decision. Join the Local 243 family tradition. Contact Carpenters Local 243 at 217-356-5463. Illini fans, taste what's special about Jets Pizza by ordering any of their specialty pizzas for $5 off. That's right, save $5 on all specialty pizzas like the barbecue chicken pizza, chicken grilled to perfection, premium mozzarella cheese, bacon, red onion, and BBQ sauce. All piled onto Jets' amazing crust made from dough they make fresh every Day. There's also their super special all meaty chicken bacon ranch and more, all $5 off. Make your day special and order a Jet specialty pizza for $5 off. Like every bank, there's a time every day when we stop making loans. But at Iroquois Federal, we never stop making a difference. Thanks to an amazing team of employees who give back to their local communities all over central Illinois. From hospital boards and local school programs to Kiwanis and the United Way, Iroquois Federal employees donated more than 1,000 volunteer hours last year. And we'll do it again next year because the only thing we like more than making a loan is making a difference. Iroquois Federal. Still friendly. Still local. Still here. Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender. Everybody needs insurance, and that's why I love Kyle Lewis at Insurance Providers Group. This is Jay Lehman, All-American linebacker. Kyle provides auto, life, health, and all kinds of commercial lines of insurance. They are my one-stop shop for all my insurance needs, and all my rental properties are insured by IPG. That's why you need to email Kyle at IPGINS.com. Kyle at IPGINS.com. Back on the drive with Sam Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. Good catching up with Trevor Valise. Hit on a variety of topics there. The Juwan Howard thing, Kyle, have we talked a ton about that? I don't feel like we have. Mentioned it towards the end of Monday, I feel like, but that's it. Uh, it's uh, it's not really all that surprising, to be no. honest with you. In case you haven't dug into the details, Jeff Goodman, I think it came out last night when he was on his Field of 68 podcast mentioned, and Trevor uh, brushed over it there in his answer that the story, as far as Jeff has heard, Jace Howard, who's out due to injury, was going after a trainer. Like, he was not maybe physically, but he was really lighting into him, and, and there was a, uh, an altercation there, um, exchange that was pretty much one-sided, him going after this trainer, and then their strength and conditioning coach, John Sanderson, who is huge. I mean, he is... He is built from the same. He's from the same cloth as, as look him Adam up. Fletcher. He's like six seven and Oof. just a tank of a man. And uh, he said something to the effect of, and again, I'm I'm citing Jeff Goodman with his report here that this is why our culture stinks is because we have players talking down to guys, you know, on, on staff and whatnot, and that Juwan heard that Juwan you know, fired over there, uh, got in his face and they were coming to blows that they had to be separated. And, uh, there was a report today. I think it was by, was it by Brendan Quinn of the athletics? Someone reported that, uh, that Sanderson actually, that he filed an HR complaint and that's going through the, the due process right now through the athletic department of Michigan. And that he, in the meantime, has been away from the team and he was not on the road trip at Iowa City. So what falls from this? Uh, it, it's, it's been a weird 
situation in general, just kind of noticing that Jawan is sitting on the bench as an assistant. He got teed up in one game, and then, uh, you know, since at Iowa, he was just. I was watching a little bit of the second half of the Iowa game, and it was just. You got Phil Martelli, who's the acting head coach, and he's kind of standing there, technically, you know, leading huddles and whatnot. Then you got Juwan, who's in the first seat of the bench, and he's just sitting there really doing nothing. He's just sitting there, and he'll high-five Doug McDaniel as he comes off the court, but that's about it. Then you had another assistant. I think it's Sadie Washington. Did you see who's him actually, and Martelli? He, he and Martelli got into it when Michigan – it was something – it was like Iowa, I think – the game was pretty much over. There's like a minute left. I was down by like 18 and they've got all their starters in and are full court pressing Michigan and Michigan's got all their walk-ons in and their walk-ons can't break the press against Iowa starters for their lives. So they got to call a bunch of timeouts and Washington's like, all right, let's get the starters back in. And Martelli waved them off and they both started like yelling at each other. So the Michigan coaching staff is just kind of in shambles right now. It's, uh, it's kind of funny, honestly. I mean, it is, especially if you're a... Well, I just think, like, this is it. Like, it Juwan, is. Yeah, it, you is. know, it, it hasn't worked out. On the one hand, there's been just... This is going to be incident really number three now, and Trevor alluded to it, like, incident number three of completely losing your cool, and that's just for a college coach to now have, like, multiple incidents where they're being physical with other adults in front of their basketball team, in front of their college basketball team. Yeah, that just can't happen. It really can. And and it's not like, oh, well, you know, this is a storied, successful head coach that we we really want to, you know, bury this and we really want to sweep this under the rug because we don't want to lose Juwan. Well, I'm sure Michigan's administrators are like, we can't wait to get rid of Juwan because yeah. he had three N- two NBA draft picks and Hunter Dickinson and missed the <laughs> tournament last year. We're bad this year. And we've got all this tension going on and our assistant coaches clearly don't have much respect for the culture that Juwan has built in the program. So that's like, it's it, you know, it's, it, it's run its course and Juwan Howard has not been all that successful. I know he's gone to an elite eight and he's gone to a sweet 16. One of those was with John Beeline's players and, He's underachieved with his own guys for the most part, and he's had some altercations and some things that just have not reflected well on him. So it's uh, it's the end of the line for him. You wonder what is there to lose if he just tell him, like, you got to resign, just walk away now, let Martelli coach the rest of the I, season. And Based on what I – after I heard that rumor, I thought that was going to happen, like, now. I thought that would have happened. Like, we're done. That's it, Juwan. I guess maybe for him to save face in – for whatever his next stop is, probably on a if he's going to try to go back to being assistant in the NBA, I would assume that's where it, he's going to go. There's been those rumors of, yeah, forever. For the last couple of years is like, you know, when his kids are done playing at Michigan, he's probably on his way back to the NBA. It, it just isn't. It's not working out there, and they've had talent. Like he's recruited. I'll give him that. Yeah, like he's recruited yes. talent. Um, Kobe Bufkin, pretty darn good player. Uh, obviously, you know, getting Diabate and uh, Caleb Houston, his his own son Jace, uh, or Jet, I should say, Jet, the the highly coveted one, uh, and then you know what Doug McDaniel's doing right now. So uh, he's been able to get talent. He just has not been able to turn that into the type of runs that you would expect of that, or just even getting to the tournament last year was a a huge disappointment and, and I know that they would if you're a Michigan fan or if you're especially if you're a Juwan backer you'd say yeah well you know he would have had Terrence Shannon he would have had Caleb Love if not for the the admissions deal which has just added another layer into this whole debacle that's been Juwan's uh, tenure there of late I've, I find it interesting what you know I if you're a if you're an Illinois fan if you're a, a fan of another team out there that doesn't like Michigan you're You'd actually like Juwan Howard to stick around yes. as long as possible, yes. absolutely. Because uh, I was I was texting with somebody here over the weekend of like, all right, you know, what direction would they go if if and when Juwan is gone? And then like Dusty May's name came up from FAU and be a pretty attractive job. Oh, very attractive. Yeah, extremely attractive. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, they got a lot of a lot of resources in terms of you know when you. 
you got a good football program and it's a lot of money in the athletic department. Uh, I don't know that they're like necessarily crushing it in NIL, but I feel like they they could do well enough. Um, I feel like it also that's part of a head coach's responsibility nowadays too. True. And True. so True. feels like Jawan hasn't placed the needed emphasis on that that maybe he could for a brand like Michigan. Of course, you also have to consider that a lot of Michigan's NIL efforts are going towards football. football. Sure. Yeah, I mean they they got the uh, the Jordan brand, which is attractive. It's just in a, it's it's got a cool factor to it. Like Michigan has had a cool factor. I think that Juwan was able to capitalize that, and I would even give it to him that he that he added to that. Him coming in there and, and being a former Fab Five guy, NBA player, like Juwan brought a cool factor, and so did, and that Michigan already had, or he was able to amplify that. Uh, we'll see what that looks like going forward uh someone did tell me you know maybe dusty may sitting it out for the miami job at some point try to stay in florida uh how long is jim laranega gonna ride that thing out at 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 miami uh one name that did come up that i think if you're a big 10 fan you definitely don't want to see is nate oates they have to pay up big time for him because he's making already like four and a half million a year but a guy that's from wisconsin coached high school in detroit for over a decade and maybe Michigan would have a little bit of a pull to try to get him back to the Midwest in the state of Michigan. I, I, that would probably be towards the top of their wish list. I don't know how much, how likely it'd be that they could pull it off, but even like, yeah, even like a Dusty May or something like that would be a good hire for Michigan. But uh, in the meantime, you can, I think that there's a, there's a night, if you catch them on the wrong night, they could hurt you. If Doug McDaniel goes off, uh, and and Kamwa and obviously they got Burnett. I mean they got they got some dudes that can score, but uh, in general they're can't that, defend anybody. Yeah, they haven't looked like a great team in general and have not defended all that well. So yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. I I kind of thought it would be a quick thing. I, I'm curious now to see if Jawan stays through the rest of the season as an assistant or that. Yeah, you mentioned earlier. It's the, the whole other wrinkle is that well. He's been on the sideline for the last month as an assistant coach, but you watch the games and he, is he coaching much? No. It's like, what is going on there? Are they, it seems like now would be the time to just kind of say, especially with this down period, finals time, winter break, like, all right, Juwan, it's time to resign. And then Phil Martelli is going to lead us through this year and then we'll conduct a search in the offseason. Or is he, are they going to try to, give him the respect of letting him stay on the staff for a full season and not do this in the middle of the year, which I don't know if he deserves given that this is not performance related for now. It's Mm -hmm. because there was another incident and I don't, I don't know. It's, I kind of, I kind of figured that it would be, he'd be gone like by now. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the internal investigation still has to run its course and we'll see what comes from that. A six, five, one says that on the note of John Sanderson, Strength and conditioning coach at Michigan. He is Fletch's mentor, and yes, that is correct. That he worked under him there, and and he's been at Michigan forever for too. a so long time. That's another thing that just kind of well, and you take it, you take an effect. If that's what he said, well, that's why the culture around here is so bad. Mm-hmm. He's been around some really good cultures and successful Michigan basketball teams. So if he's saying that, and you're you're you see that as Michigan's athletic director, like. Oh boy, yeah, Juwan. It's it's about time. And apparently, Sanderson's son is one of the top players in the state of Michigan. Oh he's a, boy, he's a sophomore, I believe, and that I've read and heard that he's one of the top prospects in that state. So maybe it's that's a, interesting. Maybe it's an an easy choice to say, you know, if you got to if if we one has to one lose of these town, two. One, yeah. one has to leave town. Uh, we know who that's going to be. Um, eventually, I fully agree with Trevor. It's going to be. Juwan Howard uh, making his way out of Ann Arbor. But good stuff. Catching up with Trevor. Catching up with Aaron Lemming on the Tapman's Towing phone line. Also talking some uh, just a weird situation with the portal and this 14-day window. It's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out later this month uh, for those multi-transfer players. But uh, good stuff. I'm going to go eat some Papa Dells. That's Happy a free- birthday. Enjoy hey, it Thank tonight. you, man. That's a free shout-out. Um, checks in the mail probably not but uh pizza's gonna be on the table here in a little while but uh we'll talk to you tomorrow everybody have a great night this is the drive
You have money laying all around your house. You just don't know it. And no, I don't mean selling your great grandma's good china. I mean all the old metal items you don't want to use or get rid of. Don't pay someone to haul it away. Bring it into Max Twin City Recycling and get paid to have it taken off your hands. They love new customers and are more than willing to walk you through their process step by step. Come check them out at 2808 North Lincoln Avenue in Urbana. Crossroads Contractor Supply specializes in the delivery of tools and supplies within a 150-mile radius of Champaign-Urbana. Reliable, timely, and with reasonable prices, Crossroads Contractor Supply knows what equipment and tools are needed for your job. Their slogan, we have it when you need it. Get the job done right with proper tools and equipment. Did something break? Construction materials as well as safety equipment all available. Call 402-8123. Visit Crossroads Contractor Supply IL. Mom, she won't stop touching me. Broccoli stinks. Guys, no phones at the table. Family dinner time? Not easy. But you know what is easy? OSF On-Call Urgent Care. When you need convenient, affordable care for minor illnesses and injuries, you need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. Be seen in person or connect 24-7 online when and where you need it. Learn more at osfoncall.org slash urgentcare. It's the Piers Christmas Party, and it's happening at 1609 West Springfield Avenue, Thursday between 5.30 and 9, and then Friday, December 15th from 7 to 10 a.m. Gifts for all. Try to win some holiday cash with J&J Ventures. Coors Light, Captain Morgan, and Miller Light. Pia's has a free holiday food spread waiting for you and, of course, great drink specials. The staff at Pia's says Merry Christmas. During challenging times, family and health come first. This is Starla Carr with Provident Financial Group. Many of us have spent the past year feeling a little bit out of control. There are steps you can take to help plan for a better financial future. Now is the time to take action and create a financial plan that's right for you. Contact us today at 217-366-3456 or find us online at ProvidentFinancialGroupLLC.com. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network. Member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Jeremiah 2911 states, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future.